0: A Hunger Artist by Franz Kafka. Over the last few decades, the interest in hunger artists has suffered a marked decline. While it may once have been profitable to put on great public spectacles under one's own production, this is completely impossible today. Times really have changed. Then, the whole town got involved with the hunger artist from day to day of his starving people's participation grew. Everyone wanted to see the hunger artist at least once a day. On the later days, there were season ticket holders who sat for days on end in front of his little cage. Even at night, there were viewings by torchlight for added effect. On fine days, the cage would be taken out into the open air when in particular, the children were given a chance to see the hunger artist. While well, to the grown-ups, he was often just a bit of fun, someone they took in for the sake of fashion. The children would watch open-mouthed, holding each other by the hand for safety, as, scorning the use of a chair, he sat on the scattered straw, pale, in a black vest with startlingly protruding ribs, now nodding politely, answering questions with a strained smile, or poking his arm through the bars so that its thinness might be felt but repeatedly collapsing into himself, not caring about anything or anyone, not even for the, for him, so important striking of the clock that was the only item of furniture in the cage, but just looking straight in front of him through almost closed eyes, every so often sipping water from a tiny glass to moisten his lips. In addition to the spectators who came and went, there were also regular warders, ...selected by the public who remained in attendance throughout. Curiously enough, they were usually butchers... Three of them at a time, whose job it was to watch the hunger artist day and night... ...to check that he wasn't secretly taking any sustenance. This was purely a formality, introduced to ease the minds of the public... ...because the cognoscenti were well aware that during a period of starvation... ...no hunger artist would have eaten the least thing under any circumstances not even under duress. The honor code of his art forbade it. Admittedly, not every warder was capable of grasping this. It was inevitable that some groups of nocturnal invigilators carried out their task in sloppy fashion, purposely withdrew to some far-off corner and engrossed themselves in card games, with the plain intention of permitting the hunger artist to have a little snack that they supposed he could produce from some secret supply somewhere nothing was more tormenting to the hunger artist than such invigilators they depressed his spirits they made starving appallingly difficult for him sometimes he would overcome his weakness during the spell of the watch and sing for as long as he could to show them how unfair it was of them to suspect him but that helped little they merely registered surprise at his rare talent for eating even while singing He much preferred those invigilators who sat right in front of his bars who were not content with the dim night light in the hall but aimed at him the beams of electric torches that the manager had left at their disposal the harsh light bothered him not at all it wasn't as though he was able to sleep properly anyway while he was always capable of dozing off regardless of the illumination or the hour even when the hall was noisy and crowded with people He was gladly prepared to spend his nights with those invigilators entirely without sleep. He was willing to joke with them to tell them stories from his life on the road and to listen to whatever stories they had to tell him. Anything so long as he stayed awake. To show them repeatedly thereby that he had nothing eatable in his cage and that he was starving as none of them was capable of doing. What made him happiest of all was when the morning came and a lavish breakfast was brought up to them at his expense, on which they flung themselves with the healthy appetite of men who had spent an entire night without rest. There were even individuals who tried to see in such breakfasts an effort to bring improper influence to bear upon the invigilators. But that was going too far. And if you asked them how they would like to take over such a night watch purely for love of the thing itself, and without any breakfast at the end of it, Then they stalked off, but they still clung to their suspicion. This, though, was part and parcel of the suspicion that was inseparable from the act of starving. No one was capable of spending every day and every night with the hunger artist as an invigilator without a break, and therefore no one could know from the direct evidence of his own senses whether the hunger artist had starved himself without a break, without a lapse. Only the hunger artist himself was in a position to know that, Only he, therefore, could be the spectator completely satisfied by his own hunger. But there were other reasons that kept him from ever attaining such complete satisfaction. Perhaps it was not his feats of hunger that reduced him so much as to compel some spectators reluctantly to stay away from his performances because they were unable to stomach the sight of him as some dissatisfaction with himself. He alone knew, and none of the cognoscenti knew this, How easy it was to starve. It was the easiest thing in the world. He made no bones about saying so either. But people didn't believe him. At best, they supposed him modest. Generally, they thought he was publicity crazed or a cheat, to whom starving himself was indeed an easy matter, because he had found a way of making it easy for himself, and had the cheek to go on and half admit it. All this he had to accept and had over the years accustomed himself to it. But inside him, this dissatisfaction continued to gnaw away at him, and he had never yet, nor after any of his feats of starvation, that people had to concede, left his cage of his own free will. The maximum period of starvation had been set by the manager at 40 days. He permitted no longer stints than that, not even in major cities, and for a very good reason, He had learned from experience that by gradually intensified publicity, the interest of a city could be kept alive for 40 days. But at that point, the public failed. There was a perceptible drop in the level of interest. Of course, there might be small differences among the various towns and countries, but as a rule of thumb, 40 days was the maximum. So then, on the 40th day, the door of the flower-garlanded cage was thrown open. An excited audience filled the amphitheater. A brass band played. Two doctors entered the cage to perform the necessary tests on the hunger artist. The results were relayed to the hall by means of a megaphone, and finally two young ladies, thrilled to have been chosen for the task, came to lead the hunger artist down a couple of steps to where a small table had been laid with a carefully assembled invalid meal. And at this moment, the hunger artist always resisted, He entrusted his bony arms into the hands of the ladies bending down over him, but he did not want to get up. Why stop at the end of 40 days? He could have gone on for longer, much longer. Why stop now when he was in prime starving form, if indeed he had even got there yet? Why did they want to cheat him of the fame of starving for longer, not only of becoming the greatest hunger artist of all time, which he probably was already, but of outdoing himself to a quite stupefying degree, because he felt no limits had been set to his gift for hunger. Why did this crowd of people, who professed to admire him so much, why did they have so little patience with him? If he could stand to go on starving, why could they not stand for him to do it? Also, he was tired. He felt comfortable sitting in the straw, and now he was supposed to draw himself upright and go to eat some food the very thought of which made him feel nauseous, an expression of which nausea he suppressed with difficulty out of forbearance for the ladies. And he looked up into the eyes of the seemingly so friendly, but in reality so cruel ladies, and shook his head which felt too heavy on its feeble neck. And then the same thing happened that always happened. The manager strode on, silently raised his arms. The music, in any case, made speech impossible, over the hunger artist, as if calling on the heavens to see what it had accomplished on this straw, this pitiable martyr, which the hunger artist truly was, only in a quite different sense, clasped the hunger artist around his thin waist, his exaggerated caution making it appear with what a fragile thing he was having to deal, and handed him over, not without giving him a secret shaking, causing the hunger artist to tremble violently, legs and torso, into the care of the now deathly pale ladies. Now the hunger artist allowed everything to be done to him. His head lay on his chest as if it had rolled there and come to a somewhat surprising stop. His body was hollowed out, his legs for dear life pressed against one another at the knee, but continued to scrape against the ground as if it were not the real thing, as if the real thing was still being sought and the whole, admittedly rather small, weight of him lay against one of the ladies, who, breathing hard and seeking help, this was not how she had envisaged her prestigious task at all, first stretched her neck so as to keep her face at least from touching the hunger artist, and then, when that effort failed, and her more fortunate companion didn't come to her aid, but contented herself by tremblingly carrying ahead of herself that little bundle of bones, the hand of the hunger artist she burst into tears to the delighted laughter of the hall and had to be relieved by an attendant who had been kept standing by for that very purpose then came the meal of which the manager fed a few morsels to the hunger artist during a coma like half sleep all the while making merry conversation to divert attention from the condition of the hunger artist then a toast had to be proposed to the spectators which had seemingly been whispered to the manager by the hunger artist. The band supplied a few emphatic chords and drum roll. People went their ways, and no one had any right to be dissatisfied. No one. Only the hunger artist, and only always him. So he lived for many years with regular little pauses, in apparent splendour, honoured by the world, but generally in a gloomy frame of mind made still gloomier by virtue of that fact that no one took it seriously. What comfort could they offer him? What did he have left to wish for? And if a kind-hearted individual came along who felt sorry for him and tried to tell him that his sadness was probably a consequence of his starving, it could happen that, especially after a prolonged period of starvation, the hunger artist responded with an outburst of rage and to the general consternation, started shaking the bars of his cage like a wild beast. But the manager had a punishment ready for such tantrums that he liked to put to use. He apologized on behalf of the hunger artist to the assembled spectators, admitted that the behavior of the hunger artist could only be explained by reason of his irritability, which was the result of protracted starving far beyond anything experienced by ordinary well-fed persons, and that was the only possible extenuation for it. And then he came to the hunger artist's claim that he was capable of far longer periods of hunger, which he attributed to the same cause. He praised the lofty endeavor, the goodwill, the great self-denial that was surely contained in this claim, then sought to refute the claim by producing photographs. Because on those photographs, which were on general sale, one could see the hunger artist on one such 40th day, in bed, almost extinguished with debility, This twisting of the facts, well familiar to the hunger artist but always infuriating him anew, was too much for him. To have the consequence of the premature termination of a spell of hunger presented as a cause, it was impossible to fight this incomprehension, this world of incomprehension. He had listened in good faith in his cage, as he always did, to the manager. But once the photographs were produced, he relinquished the bars every time lapsed back into the straw with a sigh, and the relieved public could once more approach to inspect him. When witnesses to such scenes reflected on them a few years later, they often failed to understand themselves, because by then the shift in taste referred to above had taken place. It was almost sudden. Perhaps there were profounder reasons for it, but who cared to find them out? Be it as it may, One day, the pampered hunger artist saw himself abandoned by the pleasure-seeking public, which now flocked to different displays. Once more, the manager flogged himself half across Europe with the hunger artist to see whether the old interest might not be smoldering here or there. All in vain. As if by tacit arrangement, a positive aversion against hungering had formed. Of course, it couldn't really have happened like that. And people eventually remembered certain indications insufficiently remarked upon, but also insufficiently suppressed in the glory days, but by now it was too late to do anything about it. It was certain that the vogue for hunger would come round again, but that was no consolation for the living. What was the hunger artist to do? He, who had been cheered by thousands, could not now show himself in booths in little travelling fairs, and as far as taking another profession was concerned, The hunger artist was not only too old, but still more. He was too fanatically devoted to starvation. So he parted ways with his manager, the associate of his incomparable career, and had himself taken on by a large circus. So as not to offend his tender feelings, he did not so much as look at the contract. A large circus with its balanced roster of complementary acts and animals and equipment can use anyone at any time even a hunger artist, if his requirements are pitched low enough. And besides, in this particular case, it wasn't just the hunger artist who was taken on, but also his old established name. Yes, in the case of this odd art that didn't decline with the years, one couldn't even say that a veteran artist past his prime wanted to take refuge in a quiet job in a circus. On the contrary, the hunger artist gave perfectly credible assurances that he was just as good at starving as he had ever been. He even claimed that, if he was given his head, and this was promptly assured him, he was only now finally ready to throw the world into justifiable astonishment. A claim that, in view of the temper of the times, which the hunger artist was apt in his enthusiasm to forget, raised a smile with the experts. But in reality, the hunger artist did not lose a sense of actual conditions and took it as read that he and his cage were not set up in the middle of the ring as the show-stopping number, but left outside in a readily accessible spot next to the animal stalls. Large, brightly coloured signs surrounding the cage informed the public what was to be seen, when, during intervals in the performance, the public pressed out to the stalls to view the animals. It was almost inevitable that they passed the hunger artist and stopped a little, Perhaps they would have stayed longer in front of him if others pressing down the narrow corridor after them, not understanding the hold-up on the way to the stalls where they wanted to go, had not made a more protracted contemplation impossible. This was the reason, too, why the hunger artist trembled at these visiting hours. Though in another way, they were what he lived for. At first, he had hardly been able to wait for the intervals in the performance. Ravished, he had looked out in the direction of the crowd as they rolled up before. All too soon, his most obdurate, almost conscious self-deception was unable to stave off the experience. He persuaded himself that, by intention at least, his visitors were, without exception, visitors to the stalls. And that first sight of them from the distance remained the best because once they had got as far as him, the shouting and scolding of the forever forming and reforming parties rang in his ears. Those, they soon became the more embarrassing to the hunger artist, who wanted to watch him at leisure, not out of understanding, but out of mood and stubbornness. And then those others who wanted nothing but to get past him to the stalls. Once the big surge was past, the stragglers came along, and these, who were no longer unable to stop as long as they felt like it, hurried past with long strides almost without a sideways glance to get to the animals in time and it was an all too rare stroke of good fortune that a family man came by with his children pointed to the hunger artist with his finger and went into a detailed explanation of what was at issue here talked about bygone times where he had been at similar but incomparably more magnificent productions and then the children inadequately prepared by school and their lives stood there uncomprehendingly. What was starving to them? But still betraying something of better times to come in the shining of their inquisitive eyes. Perhaps the hunger artist sometimes said to himself, things would be a little better if his cage weren't so close to the stalls. That made it too easy for people to choose, not to mention the smells of the stalls, the restlessness of the animals at night, the carrying past him of hunks of raw meat for the beasts of prey, and the roars and cries at feeding time that were a continual source of offense and upset to him. But he didn't dare go to the circus management with any grievances. Without the animals, there wouldn't be the numbers of visitors, among whom the odd one did come to him. And who could say where they would stick him if he reminded them of his existence, and so too of the fact that he was basically nothing but a hindrance on the way to the animal stalls. Only a small hindrance, admittedly, and getting smaller. People got used to the oddity in these times of a play for their attention being made for a hunger artist, and that habituation was a sentence on him. Even if he starved to the very best of his ability, and so he did, nothing could rescue him anymore. People walked past him. Try and explain the art of starving. It needs to be felt. It's not something that can be explained. The pretty notices grew grubby and illegible. They were torn down, and no one thought of replacing them. The tear sheet with the number of days he had been starving, which at first had been brought up to date every day, had been left untouched for a long time, because after the first few weeks, the staff wanted to spare themselves even that minimal trouble. The hunger artist starved himself as he had once dreamed of doing, and he succeeded quite effortlessly as he had once predicted, but no one counted the days. No one knew how great his achievement was, not even the hunger artist himself, and his heart grew heavy. And if once in a while a passerby stopped and mocked the old calendar and said it was a swindle, that was the most insulting lie that indifference and native malice could have come up with, because it wasn't the hunger artist who was perpetrating a swindle, he did honest labor, but the world that had cheated him of his reward. Once more, many days went by, and they too came to an end. One day, an overseer noticed the cage, and he asked the staff why this perfectly usable cage full of rotten straw was left empty. No one knew, till with the help of the tear sheet, someone remembered the hunger artist. They prodded the straw with poles and found the hunger artist there. Are you still starving? Asked the overseer. When are you finally going to stop? Please forgive me, all of you, whispered the hunger artist. Only the overseer, pressing his ear to the bars, could hear him. Of course, said the overseer, and tapped his finger against his brow to indicate the condition of the hunger artist to the staff. We forgive you. I always wanted you to admire my starving, said the hunger artist. We do admire it said the overseer, placatingly. But you're not to admire it, said the hunger artist. All right, then we don't admire it, said the overseer. Why should we not admire it? Because I have to starve. I can't do anything else, said the hunger artist. Well, take a look at that, said the overseer. And why can't you do anything else? Because, said the hunger artist, And he raised his little head fractionally and with his lips puckered as if in a kiss he spoke directly into the overseer's ear so that none of his words was lost because i couldn't find any food i liked if i had found any believe me i wouldn't have made any fuss and i would have eaten to my heart's content just like you or anyone else those were his last words But even in his broken eyes, there was the firm, if no longer proud conviction, that he would go on starving. "'Now let's have some order in here,' said the overseer. And the hunger artist and the straw were buried. A young panther was put in the cage. It was a relief palpable even to the dullest sense to see the wild animal flinging itself back and forth in this so long sterile cage. It wasn't short of anything.' Its food which it liked was brought along by its waters promptly and regularly. It seemed not even to miss freedom. The noble body furnished almost a bursting point, with all it required seemed even to have brought its own freedom with it. It appeared to be located somewhere in its jaws, and its love of life came so powerfully out of its throat that it was no easy matter for spectators to withstand it. But they steeled themselves, clustered round the cage, and would not budge.